0: Of information, and and I went very fast. I was talking a million miles a minute. Doine, are you setting that timer again? Okay, set it for 7:25, and I know that that's my first close. He and I see last week. I thought he was going to do it at 25 after, and then at 7:30. So I was waiting for the 7:30 beep, and it never happened. And I was just going to go until it happened, and it didn't happen. So I went till 7:35. So. <laughs> Anyway, yes, that clock back there needs to be a little bit bigger, don't you think? It's a little big, but not very big. It needs to be bigger, like, pfft, right there. Okay, well, let's get started here tonight, because we've got some really fun stuff to get through. Amen? How many of you are enjoying this, uh, learning about uh, those first couple chapters in Genesis? Basically, people of God... If we can't believe the first few chapters of Genesis, and if we don't get it, and if we don't understand it, how are we going to get the last 10 chapters of the Bible? Because these first 10 chapters, as I've said every week, are the most hotly contested chapters in the Bible. And these, are the, these first 10 chapters, 11 chapters, are the, the biggest chapters that Christians themselves lay down and, say, and walk away from all across the world. Because they are so influenced by secular science. And they don't see how science and the Bible fit together. And so instead of requiring and seeing science through the Bible, what they do is they walk away from the Bible for the first ten chapters. And they rewrite it. Okay? So like the first chapter of Genesis... He talks about days. And so Christians start saying, well, a day is like a thousand years. So each one of those days is thousands of years. But this can't be true because God says over and over again, and it was evening and then morning, and that was the first day. And then and there was evening. It's like he said it over and over again, like you're going to get this messed up. I don't want you to mess it up. It is truth. It is real. Don't mess it up. And every time a number is corresponded with a day, it is one 24-hour period of time. The day 25th or the sixth day or something like that. When you talk about the day without a number, then it can be an era, like back in the day. Then people in the uh, Christian say, okay, yeah, yeah, it's a day, but there's a bajillion-year gap between each day. That's how they get around, you know, believing in evolution, is that, yep, God did, it, did that in a day, but then there was a whole billion years, and then day two, and that's the gap theory, God in the gaps, okay? So once again, people are leaving the, the true meaning of those first chapters of Genesis to adjust to work it so that it works with what the world is talking about today. But how many of you know that that never, hap- never works? The question is, it's when do those people jump back on the wagon and start believing the Bible? Chapter 12? How about... You know, somewhere in Acts, hopefully. By the time you hit Acts, you're back on the bus, you know. Who knows when they're going to get back on the bus? It is a very, very difficult... Then you start thinking that everything's allegorical. Then you start thinking everything's not quite right. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, me personally, okay, just me, I believe it. I believe it. I need to serve a God that can create the world in six days. If he can't do it in six days, then how is he going to recreate me in my lifetime? How is he going to make me be something? How is he going to heal cancer? How is he going to do all these things? If he can't do what he says he did in the first chapter of Genesis, then how is he going to like, fix me? I need a supernatural God. I don't need a God that has to do it naturally over billions of years. It will be a long life if I have to wait billions of years for me to evolve. I don't want to evolve. I want miracles. I need miracles. How many of you are with me? Okey-doke. I knew you were all here. Okay, doubt. Let's talk a little bit about doubt very, very quickly. Every I'm reading this book to Sterling now. This is another good book I've gotten. We're just blowing through the books at home. And uh, we I love this book. Get this book. If you've got teenagers, read this book to them. Doubt. What are you going to believe? Are you going to believe what, what the culture is telling us? Or are you going to believe what the Bible says? Every single belief, every single philosophy, everything that means anything in life requires faith. How many of you know that? One plus one is two. There's no faith there. But that doesn't change my life. That doesn't give me meaning. The things that give meaning to life, you can't prove. There's an element of doubt in any answer about the meaning of life. The Muslims have doubt. They have to have a huge leap leap of faith. The atheists have to have a huge leap of faith. Let me just tell you something. If it's a difference between believing in God, living my life, believing in God, or not believing in God, I think it's a better bet to believe in God and die and find out there wasn't one than to not believe in God and die and find out there was one. I think I'm going to be on the better side of things. Because even if I believe there's a God and there isn't, I will guarantee you my life will be a lot easier and better than if I don't. So I think, bottom line, Christians get a better shake out of the whole thing. Don't you think? Okay, I'm not going to read the book. I'm running out of time. Okay, so leap of faith. You all got me on that, right? Pull out your piece of paper. Uh, that I've given you today. Do you see it? Okay, so let's, where's mine? I know I had one here somewhere. You know me and my mess. Here it is. Okay, on the back of your piece of paper, I gave you a biblical uh, timeline because I wanted you to see this. I want you to see chronologically how everything lays out in the Bible. We don't know when creation happened, right? Everybody say, I don't know. I don't know. Say, I don't know. I don't know. Nobody was there to to do, oh, hey, does anybody not have papers? Because Kaylee just ran to get some, and she just gave them all away. <laughs> we need more papers. I was wondering why everybody stood up and walked out <laughs> when I talked about getting the paper. They all went, pfft. So, um, okay, so we don't know when creation happened, amen? But we do believe throughout the um, the, uh, genealogy chapters, we, we can start ticking time from the fall, okay? So who who knows what the fall is? October? (laughs) November-ish? Yes, no? Okay, what's the fall? What'd they do? They disobeyed God. Satan came to them, and what was the first words recorded in the Bible that Satan said? Did God really say, did God really say, I want to propose to you that that was not the first time he asked Eve that. Because if that's the first time the serpent approached Eve, I think the line would have gone, "This serpent came up, she turned around and screamed and said, what are you, you know, there was none of that. It was a pretty normal occurrence, it sounds to me, like she just started talking to it. Don't you think that sounds like it's kind of like sh- this? Aunt, she's seen this thing before? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's good. She had no fear. Now remember, what's true love? Chosen love is true love. God wanted true love from his people. So Adam and Eve had to have something to choose between. So there had to be times and places where the serpent would come to Adam and Eve and they would say, no, I choose God, and that was true love. One time, and I'm just bringing that to you, people. I'm not saying that's in the Bible. It's not necessarily in the Bible, but it's implied in the Bible, and a lot of commentators believe that. That this conversation in, in Genesis 3 was not the first time. So Satan comes, they fall. For at the first time, the first time they say, you know, I don't know if God did really say. Maybe he didn't. That fruit looks kind of good. And it's beautiful. And I'm kind of hungry. And maybe, just maybe, and maybe God didn't say. And How many of you ever have had that wavering in your life? Every time you waver, go back to God and what God said. So the fall. We believe that's about 4,000 years ago. Now, does this sound like science, 4,000 years? How many times do you ever hear the word 4,000 years? It's bajillions and is becoming um because it's getting longer and longer, the scientists are saying. The flood happens about 25 BC or 250, 2,500, 2,500 BC, okay? The flood is somewhere in there. These are all proximate dates, sometimes some place it you know, in very different places. But let me tell you something, calendars weren't starting to keep until about 500 B.C. So it's very hard to keep calendars. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, um, but we do the very best we can by the, the thought of the year and all that kind of thing. So the flood is about 2500 B.C. The Tower of Babel is about 150 years after they climb off the ark. About 300 years later, Abram is born. Noah knows Abram. Noah, Noah could have met and talked with. It's very likely that Abram and Noah spoke to one another. Okay? Very interesting if you get the time frames put down. Then um, about 100 years later, Joseph... Is sold into Egypt, into slavery. Then you got Moses coming after 400 years of slavery. Then you got judges ruling over Israel. Then you got the kings ruling over Israel. Then you get Israel exiled. Nehemiah, see how these these kind of run down. Daniel hits about 500, right in the 500s in there. Rome takes over Jerusalem at around 63 BC. Crucifixions 33 AD, the destruction of the temple, and then the Israeli state in 1948. Now that's kind of a rundown. So now I'm going to talk to you a little bit about how does, you know, I just kind of got carried away, let's just say that. We're going to go back up to those early years, though, but I want you to see how things play out because a lot of times Christians are kind of confused. Well, where does the kings come in? When does Israel become something? You know, how does this all work out? We're not going to be able to get that far because I'm only going to do Genesis. Genesis takes us through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then we're done. Okay? But I wanted you to kind of see how the rest of the Bible lays out. Does that help you at all a little bit right there? Okay, so let's talk about... So that's kind of the, the basic gist of everything. So let's kind of go through a little bit more of... Uh, A little bit more of kind of where things are at as far as where we sit right now. We've got, so we've got the fall, right? Then we have the flood, right? And who comes off the ark? Noah. Oopsie. Noah, right? And he has three sons. Oops, has. Ham, Shem, and Japheth. Right? And then they have this situation. Remember this situation? Somebody read their Bible, because I don't have time to talk about the situation, but it's a situation. All right? It's a problem. And uh, with Mr. Noah, who is considered one of the most righteous men on earth. How many of you all know that even righteous men fall? Is that a terrible thing? It's a sad thing, but it's a fact. So we'll leave it at that. So out of that... Uh, terrible moment, that situation, we have a couple of speaking or prophecies over these three who are going to now become the lineage of the entire earth. What do they say about Ham? Well, okay, before that, hold on just a minute. Let me, let's talk about their kids and what countries are going to come out of their kids. Okay, one thing I want you to remember is that out of Ham comes Egypt. He has numerous sons. He has about five sons. Egypt Africa, Libya, Oopsie. all that kind of area, that whole area. Coming out of Shem comes the semi- Semitic people. Everybody say Semitic. Those would be Arabs, Armenians, and I'm just giving you a very short list, Israelites, and there's more. Out of and what is the prophecy that's spoken over Shem? Oh, we're not doing that yet. We're doing this, the countries, right? Never mind. Okay, Japheth. Who comes out of Japheth? Europe? E U R O P E. So all of Europe, Russia. Asia and the Americas. The word that is the prophecy that's spoken over Ham, you will be if you watch your Bible closely, it does not speak to Ham, it speaks to Canaan. There is no prophetic word in Genesis ten, I think it's ten over Ham it jumps to Canaan. Did you notice that? Let's look at it very quickly because I wanted to clear some up, something up here because a lot of American slavery was based on this passage that the African people were meant to be slaves. How many of you have heard that? The Bible would say that? I've heard it. Okay, so it was, it was Ham in verse 22 of chapter 9. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father's nakedness and told his brothers outside. But Ham, Shem, Shem, and Japheth did not. Okay, so now skip down to verse 24 of chapter 9. Cursed be Canaan. Not Ham, Canaan. Cursed be Canaan. And he will be the slave of his brothers. So out of Ham comes Egypt one of his sons, comes the Africans out of another one of his sons, comes Libya and all of that out of another son, but he has another son named Canaan. And the the children of Canaan are the Jebusites, the Malak, Amalekites, the how many other kites? Hittites? No, not the Hittites on these guys. But a lot of the Hittites are the ites, and And Canaan is the guy who travels up into the promised land and settles. It's those people that this word comes that says you will be the slave of Shem. It's the ites. It is not Africans. It is not the Egypt, all of those kinds of people. And a lot of the church through the slavery period, used that scripture that said that all of Africa was supposed to be slaves and that we had religious permission. But I want you to see, it was not them. It was only the Canaanites. All right? Kind of interesting, don't you think? Okay, so Ham, actually Canaan, is spoken to be... um, Slaves. What does it say over Shem? Yes, it does. Blessed. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. So he's declaring right there that out of the lineage of Shem will come God's people. And that's the Israelites. Okay? What's it say over Japheth? Japheth. Extend his tents. He's going to be very, he's going to expand his territory. Look at how big Japheth becomes Europe, Russia, Asia, and all the Americas. That's huge. Lots of people come out of Japheth, right? But the the cool thing in there, and I've said this for the last two weeks, is that it says that Japheth, though he is the largest, will dwell in the tents of Shem. Now, this is a spiritual thing here where the people of Japheth, the Gentile nations, will be brought into the tent of the Israelites, of the Jewish people. And though we are larger than them, we will dwell within their tent. And we do, don't we? Okay. So after we, we get through the chapter 10 there, I believe it's 10 that has all of the um, table of the nations and all that. In the middle of the table of nations, there's an interesting statement on chapter, uh, chapter 10, verse 8. It says, Cush will be the father of Nimrod. Remember we talked a little bit about Nimrod? So we got Nimrod coming out of Ham. He comes out of Cush, who is the father of Libya, actually. So we get a, we get a guy named Nimrod. Everybody say Nimrod. And we all decided we are not going to uh, name our children Nimrod. I did not name any of my children Nimrod. I hope none of my grandkids will be named Nimrod. And we know that the name Nimrod means what? No. It says that he was a mighty hunter. But do you remember from last week what the, his name means? Rebel. It means to rebel. Okay. Now, the scripture that you have in your Bible about Nimrod is not well translated. If you read that scripture about Nimrod, you're going to think that, oh, wow, he was a cool dude. He was a mighty hunter before the face of the Lord, right? That's what it says. And people would say, oh, you're like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the face of the Lord, right? What Nimrod really was, and if I can read to you some of the writings, um, how, how many of you guys know Josephus? Nimrod was a rebel, and at this point is where we start hearing about turning away from God again. Chapter 10, verse 8 said, Cush had is a father of Nimrod who grew to be a mighty warrior in the earth, and he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. And that is why, like a Nimrod, uh, like Nimrod, <laughs> a mighty hunter before the Lord, the first centers of his kingdom were Babylon, Erech, Ekkad, and Kal- Kalna, In Shinar, the plain of Shinar, from that land he went to Assyria and he built Nineveh, Rehoboth, Ir, Ur, Kala, and Rezin, which is between Nineveh and Kala. That is a great city. So what we know is that Nimrod first travels, if you look on your little map there, he travels over to the plain of Shinar and builds four cities. And the first city he builds is what? Babylon. Babylon, first city known to be built. And then he builds a bunch of other cities. And that whole area, there's a city named Babylon, but then there's going to be a kingdom named Babylon as well. Nimrod is the first man to build a kingdom of this world. Nimrod is the first man that sets himself up over men, other people, other humans, Never before this time is there a man who is said to be placed over. This man became a very mean man. He he ruled over people, and he set up the first kingdom of this world, Nimrod. Josephus said, Now it was Nimrod who excited all of the people to such an affront and contempt of God. He was the grandson of Ham, the son of Noah, a bold man of great strength of hand. He persuaded them not to ascribe to God. If it were through his means, they were happy, but to believe that it was their own courage which procured that happiness. He also gradually changed the government into tyranny, seeing no other way of turning men away from the fear of God, but to bring them into a constant dependence upon his own power. He also said that he would bring revenge upon God if he he should have a mind to drown the world again, for he would build a tower too high for the waters to be able to reach, and that he would avenge himself on God for destroying their forefathers. This is Nimrod. There are many, many other writings outside of the Bible. That was Josephus, who write about this man, and it's not a pretty scene. But I need you to see that he starts the first world kingdom of Babylon, plus other cities, and he starts the Babylonian Empire, which sits on the plain of Shinar. Then he goes north and he builds the Assyrian Empire, with the main city being Nineveh. How many of you know what Nineveh is? Who goes to Nineveh? Jonah. Jonah's, the book of Jonah happens during this time frame. These people all become extremely pagan and they turn away from God. So where is the first civilized city in the Bible? Babylon. It's all in the Babylonian Empire, which is called Mesopotamia now. Okay? Let's talk a little bit about Babel. Babel comes in in chapter 11. Babel, the word Babel means gate to the gods, first kingdom of this world. And if I could remind you that in uh, Revelation 18, what is the last kingdom of this world to fall? Babylon. Beginning of the Bible, the end of the Bible. When Babylon falls, God can renew his kingdom on earth. Huge. Absolutely huge. This whole concept of Babylon, of what Babylon is, Very, very huge. It would take a couple of nights, actually, to really delve into that. But let me tell you what we know about the city of Babylon. Uh, Nimrod, uh, meaning rebel, who was told to go out and fill the earth, gathered men in Babylon and said, we're not going to fill the earth. We're going to stick right here. We're going to make a name for ourselves because we don't want to get scattered across the earth. So as you read through chapter 11, that's what you're going to see. And wherever man gathers, the demonic gathers as well. Because the demonic is looking for humanity to dwell within. This was one of the reasons why God didn't want humanity to gather. He wanted them to scatter and to fill and to stay, um, stay filling and moving out and carrying the word of God and carrying the knowledge of this flood and, and just going all over the earth. But they said, oh, no, we're going to stay together. Because we're going to make a name for ourselves. Did you know that when they were excavating the, the city of Babylon, they found bricks with people's names inscribed in them? And there is a huge area of absolute rubble of something that used to be very large laid to the ground. And on the bricks are inscribed names. We will make a name for ourselves. Did you know that all false religions in the world and I know I'm speaking kind of boldly here but I've read it in very various places all false religions originated in Babylon? Did you know that one of the main religions that they worshiped there in Babylon was called the moon god? Did you know that the moon god was known by a little crescent shaped moon? Did you know that? Let me explain to you a little bit about this. This is the most incredible. I heard a teaching on this, and it just about fell off my chair. The moon god. His name was Alila, and it became shortened to Allah. And it was worshipped in the Arabian Peninsula thousand, over a thousand years before the Muslims started. The moon god. He's not new. Did you know that Muhammad's father's name was Abedalla? No, Abedalla. A-B-E-D-A-L-L-A. Shortened Allah. Did you know that the crescent moon has been found all over Babylon? The worship of Allah and that whole religion has been going on for millennia. Many millennia. All false religions have come out of Babylon. Astrology came out of Babylon. In in Revelation, it talks about Babylon as being the whore. the, the, The woman that has seduced all of humanity away from God. Did you know... The Babylon was known for its gold. It was so rich and so opulent that even the bricks that were made, the walls were covered in gold. The first kingdom in Daniel's dreams that he was, or in Nebuchadnezzar's dreams, that talked about the four kingdoms of this world. The first one was ahead of gold, and that one was Babylon, the one that Nebuchadnezzar uh, was reigning over, and that there were going to be three others: Rome. Greece, Rome, and the Medes. I know those aren't in the right order. Very, very interesting. Okay, so now let's talk a little bit. So this takes us through chapter 11. Now let's talk about how does, like, the we all know the Bible now, right? And I always felt like I would read the Bible, and then I'd have to, like, Stand up, go out of that room, shut, you know, open the door, shut the door, and then go out into the world. So how does the world fit with the Bible? Because these, the Bible says that the earth is only 6,000 years old. And the world, my pen's dying, the world says, oh, wow, 6,000, the world over here says that it's, Two to four billion years old. So who's right? But science, science knows everything. They make it up as they go because they have a philosophy that they have to back up. Remember I showed you last week that National Geographic magazine from just two months ago? What is the title on it? The War on Science People aren't believing us anymore. They whine the whole time. Okay, so we got we got science right. Let's talk. Okay, so um, I'm going to get back to that in just a second. At the Tower of Babel, what happened? Let's go back to the Bible side. What happened in the Tower of Babel? God looked down. He said, okay, they're they're gathering instead of scattering. The unification of humanity is an amazing thing. They're made in our image. When we're united, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, nothing is impossible for us. They're made in our image. When they're unified, nothing is impossible for them. And so God came down looked at the situation over said yep it's as i said so i'm going to do something here i am going to scat. i'm not going to destroy them remember he promised he's not going to destroy them by flood again just the chapter before he said okay we're going to like get rid you know we're going to scatter you guys i'm going to change up all of your languages isn't that the most hilarious thing he probably you know i don't know from my standpoint he's probably went man what should we do I got a great idea. Let's make them wake up in the morning and not understand a word each other is saying. Now those people, remember I told you last week, they didn't learn those languages. They just woke up speaking other languages. And so they were looking at each other like, what are you talking about? I remember last week I said, isn't it kind of like when you wake up next to your husband or your wife, and you're like, what are you talking about? You're not making any sense, you know? Okay, so what they did was they, and remember, I read that inscription that they found in the, the rubble of Babylon. There was a tablet that said, one day the languages were scattered and confused here. Do you remember that? It's, it is an archaeological find outside of the Bible. I don't want to take the time to read it today. But they scattered, so the languages are confused, and immediately there is an instantaneous migration out to their places where we talked about where they went. Okay? So that is about 150 years after the flood. Bam. So now we are, you know, fast forward to now. We are 2015, and we are so sophisticated right now, we are trying to answer the same age-old questions of, why are we here? Where did we come from? Is there a God? And what should we believe? And many, many people got really sick and tired of believing in God. Unfortunately, the church, throughout the, the hundreds of years, weren't the best. We were fighting each other. We were literally killing each other across Europe. From the, during the 1400s, the 1500s, all over th- theology. Theology. What do you mean when saved, every, always saved? I don't believe that. We have a choice. I'm going to kill you. And they just killed and killed and killed. There was a 30-year 30, 30 war once of just straight up fighting and shooting and killing anybody who didn't believe the way you believed. And then there was the Baptists. You know, the Protestants didn't baptize their children until they were older. And the Catholics, you know, sprinkled them so then they would, they would drown each other. If the Catholics were in charge, they they would take you and drown you if you didn't baptize your children. I mean, come on. So by the 1800s, there's all these people who are just, they are so sick of religion. They're sick of the killing. And this thing called the Enlightenment happened. Now, remember last week I told you, that in 1700s, if you opened up the Encyclopedia Britannica, it would tell you that the beginning of the earth world was creation, that there was a flood. In the 1700s, by the 1800s, that's erased and rewritten. And now they're saying hundreds and millions of years ago, something happened. The fact is, there's, there's um, scientists right now that are calling it a miracle. It's the Big Bang. It, 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 was, it was miraculous. They're using their own words against themselves. Okay, so let's see if the Bible can be proven, though, okay? So what we have is, obviously, we could go in forever about the flood, and I have given you tons of information about archaeological proofs for the flood, right? So they look at a stack of rocks and say, that took 10 million years to, you know, or millions and billions of years. And we look at a stack of rocks and we think, well, if there's global liquefication and it was way over the mountaintops, that could all be laid out in just a few short weeks as its sediments lay down and they're going to be in different orders of, of density and all that kind of thing. That could happen in just a matter of just a little bit as the flood is running off. And it's global, These layers. Okay, so we've talked about that, and I'm not going to take any more time with that, but let's talk about after that. So did we all come from three people with an original language? You know what they're finding? And I, I told you this last, year, last week, I'm going to give you some more. They're finding that all of the languages could be traced back to one. And they're finding that when you trace linguistically, it goes right back to the plain of Shinar, right there where Babylon is and that all the migrations of the languages are all out of that place. They can do it with mitochondrial DNA or RNA tracings, and they can also do it through blood type tracings. They put it back there. Do you know where they call the cradle of civilization now? It used to be in Africa. Do you know where they call it now? Mesopotamia. If you look up, if you Google on your phone or whatever, don't do it right now, but if you Google... The the earliest civilization, it will tell you it's the Sumerians, S-U-M-A-R-I-A-N-S. Do you know where they lived? Right in Babylon. So if you look on your little map, there's a little town there called Sumer, S-U-M-E-R. That's what they say is the first city. But really what it was is the Sumerian people that lived in that area. That's right where Nimrod went and started his first city. The Bible and what they're finding in ancient civilization are exactly the same. If you read... Okay, so the Mesopotamian people were not stupid. They had a language and they had written language and they wrote out on cuneiform tablets on, uh, with a cuneiform alphabet and they wrote on stone tablets and those stone tablets were like a brick and they baked them in the sun and they remarkably last... And when they have been excavating Babylon and some of these crazy old cities, they're finding entire libraries. Remember I told you that last week. Entire libraries where they can go in now and they're, they're translating them out and they're learning about these people. And they were very smart. The earliest civilized, civilized people were very smart. They weren't dumb. Sumer. The Sumerians. Now, the Sumerians, when they read these things, there's a guy that started it all. His name's Gilgamesh. And when you compare the life of Gilgamesh and the life of Nimrod, they are almost exactly the same. And it's thought by many, many, many scholars and archaeologists that the two were the same. And it's proven it's very, very cool. Written. His story is told. And these people, they, they, they dispersed out of that very same area. I want you to see that if you look this up, you're not going to lose anything. Now, I kept thinking, okay, so if, how about like ancient Egypt? How long ago did that start? How, how long ago did, did India start? And what about China? You know, I'm sure that that's going to throw the Bible way off. Because I know those are really, really old, ancient civilizations, right? Everybody say old and ancient. Do you know where they... Okay, so if this... if um, Look on your little piece of paper there, because if the flood is at about 2,500, they, uh, if you look up, and once again, there's dating is very, very difficult during this time frame, but if you look up and you Google Sumerian, the ancient, most ancient civilization, some places will give you like 6,000 B.C., but not many. Most of them will put it right around 3,000 B.C., Right around in there, and when I, you know, once again, if it's a few hundred years off, we don't. Th- I think they're off a little bit, not us. But it's in the ballpark. It's not bajillions of years. It's right in the ballpark. Did you know that Egypt started? What they are seeing is about 3,100 BC. Did you know that India? had its birth at about 2,800 B.C., China at 2,000 B.C., Israel at 15, the Greeks at 1,000, right in the same ballpark. It works. It all works. These ancient civilizations are not that ancient. And they fit right in with the Bible timeline. You are not serving a dumb God that is really good for Sunday school, but you walk out and it doesn't connect with the rest of the world. Even though they want to say that man started, you know, like a million years ago. He didn't. The bones that they're finding and these, these men, these Neanderthal men, it doesn't work that way. Neanderthal men and modern man were found buried together. Not millions of years apart. Okay, where does the Ice Age come in? Do you guys remember last week? Where does the Ice Age come in? The Ice Age comes in, and the fact that after the flood, there was so much volcanic activity that the oceans were believed to be 40 degrees hotter than they are today. How many of you ever heard of the El Nino effect? And what happens around here with El Nino? Pouring down rain constantly. Guess what the temperature difference of the ocean for the El Nino effect is? Two to three degrees. We get that much change and shift in precipitation. Imagine what the precipitation shift would be if there's a 40 degree difference. Huge amounts of typhoons and crazy, crazy, crazy weather, and great amounts of temperature changes and dumpings of snow. They have pattern, worked out these patterns, these weather patterns, and saying that they could have easily a thirty to forty foot snow drop up out on the the poles of the 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 um, earth every few days. And if that was the case, you would end up with, it would only take about four to five hundred years to build up the ice sheets that they say had during the ice age. Yes, there was an ice age, it's proven out there, and it happened right after the flood vast amount. Then they're wondering, well, how did all the people get from here all the way over to America? Let me tell you something, people. If that much water is drawn out of the oceans and laid out in ice sheets, packed down over all those thousands of years or hundreds of years, the water level is going to drop significantly in the oceans and did you know that they have found many civilizations thirty to forty to fifty feet below sea level, entire villages, and they can't figure out why? It's because all of the snow, all of the, you know what I mean? It's all on the ice, in the ice, and it's not in the oceans. So there's a lower lower sea level. Those ice sheets allowed for people to walk across the land bridge and get into America. And there was a great dispersal. People started getting on the move. So let's talk about dinosaurs. I promised you dinosaurs. Are you seeing this? Are you seeing that it all fits? Okay. Dragons. (laughs) It's coming. Okay, so. It's coming. I get three seconds more because he's taking up my time. Okay, so as far as the dinosaurs are concerned, there's a huge fossil bed of huge, gigantic dinosaurs that was discovered and begun to be discovered in the 1800s. Prior to the 1800s, there was no term dinosaur. Did you know that? 1800s. This is long after the Ice Age. There was no term for the term. There was a guy out digging, and he found this huge bone, and he carries it in. Went, what is this? You know, and so he lays it down. They're like, ah, it's a dinosaur, and they called it a dinosaur from then on, basically. Maybe not, but kind of. But basically, in the 1800s, they discovered all these fossils. They were absolutely horrendously huge. They were buried all together. It was very, very interesting what they found. And the vast majority of all dinosaurs are found across North America at the same longitude. Think about that for a minute. They were all swirling in a global liquefaction, being of the same sort of weight and mass, being deposited along the same place where, when the water's receding. Makes perfect sense. They can't figure it out. How come they all went to one place and died? They think it was a, you know, a meteorite. But the problem with that is that there's a lot of animals alive today that were in that strata of fossils. How come the dinosaurs aren't here anymore, and they are? Blows that one away. Okay, so we know that there was a big, huge strata. So in the Bible, they say there were dinosaurs, huge dinosaurs, uh, between creation and the flood. The flood wiped out all of them, but how many? Two of every kind. So who knows how many kinds there were of the dinosaurs? Did the dinosaurs go on the ark? How did he fit huge T Rex on the ark? He took babies guys how many do you know how long how many of you people know that and dinosaurs are reptiles that reptiles grow until they die they don't have a growth spurt like your teenager does and then stay the same they just grow and grow and grow and grow so if they are allowed to grow for two thousand years how your phone is ringing turn it off or even a thousand years or how- no your phone is ringing turn it off Okay, so we have all that. Two got on the ark. So that means that after the ark, two got off. Or however many. Pairs. Did you know that up and all through the rest of history, there is historical evidence for what is called, a, called dragons? Now I'm going to get weird on you. I'm going to go Harry Potter on you. There... In every single culture there are pictures, there are cave paintings, there's art of stegosauruses, of brontosauruses, of every different kind of dinosaur that we know, but they don't call them dinosaurs. Do you know what they call them? Dragons. The Chinese zodiac has twelve common everyday animals the rooster, the cow. Huh? Monkey. Da 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 da. And guess what? A dragon. Very common everyday animal, they're all over the place. They have excavated all through Peru, all through the South America, Central America, North America. Little tiny figurines, little little clay things of dragons. They're on every single church everywhere. Did you know? Then then we get into European history, I, the history of Ireland, the history of China. There are story after story after story of dragons. And did you know that quite often? in places where missionaries would go in, there would be, and I'm I'm not kidding you, there would be a dragon in the area that the people would be afraid of, and the bishops would be the ones that would rise up and go out and slay the dragon, and then the people were free from their fear, and they looked at that man, and he said, Jesus, and they followed. There are more stories like that available. I can't give you all the specifics, but quite often, it was the bishop or the missionary that would go in and slay these lizard-type dragons. I know I'm sounding really weird right now in your head, but I'm telling you the truth. Do you know what a gargoyle is, how that got started? Do you know what that is? That That started in France, right outside of Paris, where... There was a, um, a dragon outside of that city that was wreaking havoc to the, the whole area there, and the bishop took another guy with him and went out and killed that thing, that lizard, that, that crazy thing that was big and scary and was wreaking havoc, and took his head, brought it back to the cathedral and put it up on the wall and said, you don't have to be afraid anymore. And then... A a sculptor came along. Years, you know, when the thing's kind of looking kind of bad, he sculpts a face like that, and they begin to put these sculptures all over the the cathedrals. I'm not lying to you. It was the bishops. A lot of times, it was the main guys that would go out and slay the dragons. There have been... The dinosaurs have continued to live until just a few hundred years ago. How'd they go extinct? Because they kept getting hunted and killed because they were predatory and dangerous. What do the men love to do? Hunt and kill. What do the women say? Go kill kill that thing! She doesn't want it just, you know, like, tied up and chased off. You want it dead. Okay, Jasmine, when we find a spider, it's like, you don't just, like, flick it. You kill it because it's still there. Right? <laughs> It'll get you later. Okay, but let's just talk about this dragon thing. Remember I told you the last kingdom of this world to fall? It's going to be Babylon. What else is huge in Revelation? The dragon. When Satan, And I'm not saying that these dinosaurs were Satan, but I'm saying it has a spiritual meaning behind it. How did Satan appear first? What's the right word? Serpent. Do you know what a serpent is? In, in some respects, absolutely yes. A serpent was a snake-like creature that had legs and arms. So it was think, it, the thought was that he walked upright. Okay? Okay? Serpents and dragons are the two terms that are used throughout history to describe these people. So now I'm going to kind of, you know, I'm not saying that dragons are demonic or whatever, but I am saying that in the spirit realm, that is how they're described. And in Revelation, flip over to 12, Revelation 12, remember I told you, who was it that quite often would go out and slay the dragons? Spiritual leaders of the town. Not always, but quite often. I know I'm sounding crazy, but I'm telling you the truth. Chapter 12 talks a lot about a war between the woman and the dragon. Dragon being Satan, the woman being Israel. Or the spiritual Israel. I'm going to pick it up at verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 17. Then the dragon, and there was all this fighting be- between them, and the, the dragon is thrown down from the heavens, and he goes with his angels, and he's hurled down to the earth. That's in chapter 9, or verse 9. In chapter 17, it says, Then the dragon was enraged at the woman, or at the excuse me, spiritual Israel, and went off to make war against the rest of her offsprings, those who obeyed God's commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And the dragon stood on the shore of the sea. Who are the offspring of the woman, the spiritual Israel, who uh, obey God's commands and hold to the testimony of Jesus? You. Satan has been thrown down to this earth. The dragon, the great dragon, has been thrown down to this earth to make war against you. Against you. How do we then respond? Do we run in fear? Do we run in terror? We have got to rise up. Every day, you and me, look around you right now and point to them right now. Put, point to the other person sitting next to you and say you. The dragon has been thrown down to earth to destroy you. Now point to the other person and say you. You, 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 you. There is an active spiritual force out to destroy you. Say you. Now turn it around and say me. I am not kidding. I am not kidding. He means business. Any way he can possibly take you out, he will. Anybody feel the pressure of his fight against you? Raise your hand. So how do we win? Verse 10. Now I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation of the power of the kingdom of God and the authority of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren who accuses them before God day and night has been hurled down and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And the word of their testimony and did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore, for rejoice, you heavens and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows his time is short. People of God, we've got to be the dragon slayers. We've got to rise up and be the dragon slayers. Are we going to run in fear like all of the peasants would back in those days and hide and shake and quake and worry and chew our nails, or are we going to get out there and slay the dragon? Slay! I'm telling you, I'm calling you, you don't understand. You better rise up like right now and decide that you are going to be a dragon slayer, not a dragon runner. Because he's playing for keeps, and you better play for keeps too. Amen. Let's all stand. So were there there dinosaurs? There may still be dinosaurs. We don't know. But I'll tell you what. There's dragons and they're after you. And I don't want to scare you, but I want to sober you. Because we live in a situation here on earth where there, there are a lot of things to distract us. And you can be as distracted as you want. And just because you don't think there's a dragon or see a, the dragon that's after you, he is. And he'll take you out one bite at a time. Anybody felt like you've been nibbled on? Father, in Jesus' name, Lord God, I just ask you right now to just come down, Lord God, and I pray right now that you would raise us up as dragon slayers. Lord God... I say right now, it's the blood of Jesus that protects us and is our very present help in time of need. The blood of Jesus. And people of God, when you are up against something, begin to claim the blood of Jesus over that thing in Jesus' name. Just drag it down and just in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in the blood of Jesus. The word of of your testimony... What is the word of your testimony? He's getting me. It's bad. I'm I'm falling. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I I think I'm I'm tired. I'm too tired. I don't want to do anymore. I don't want. I can't do this. It's too hard. It's too hard. It's too hard. Is that the word of your testimony? The word of your testimony is the blood of Jesus covers me. I am not given more than I can handle. I will overcome. I will overcome. And thirdly, that you will stand and you will give your testimony and you will be strong and you will remain strong even to the point of death. That a martyr's life isn't too much for even you. And I'm telling you, that's something you're going to have to decide been reading a lot about the early church fathers and how many of them were martyred. How many of them? Polycarp was taken and he was going to be burned at the stake and he did not count his life as too much to go to the stake to be burned. And as he was standing there and they lit the fire, he was trusting in God. His last words out of his mouth was was trust in the Father and that he was so humbled that he could be selected to die for the gospel. And he stood there and they lit the fire all around him, but the fire never touched him. Did you know that? This is a true story. This is Polycarp. Read it. The fires never, the flames never touched him. Did you know that after the fire burned out, they actually had to kill him? They actually had to kill him. There's nothing to fear in this world, people. There's nothing to fear in this world. And they can't even take your life from you. And you should not even worry about that. Because to be absent in the body is to be present with him. I want to change your mind, people of God. I want to change your mind. I want you to become people of God who are absolutely fearless. That you don't run from the dragon, but you run straight up into his face. And you decapitate him. You take him down. What is it that you fear the most in life, people of God? What is it that you fear the most? God's given you dominion over everything that you fear. And if it's death, then you know what? If you get to know who God really is, he's stolen death even from the enemy. There's nothing to fear nothing to worry about, nothing to wonder about. And I would say when the dragon comes to you and said, did God really say he was going to take care of you? Did God really say that he was going to cover you and take care of you? Did God really say it? You look him in the face and you say, absolutely. And I'm going to say it too. Some of you are up against the dragon like no other. I want you to come on up here and get some prayer before you leave because we're going to get that dragon slayed. And you are going to be a dragon slayer. And the word of your testimony is going to line up with what God's saying. How many of us are saying stuff God's not ever saying? In Jesus' name. Throw your hands in the air. Come on up here if you want prayer. You know who you are.